0: Good to see some familiar faces. It's been a long time since we've been down here. And uh, some of us go way back, so we're thankful and good to see new faces too. Well... um, Very thankful to be with you all, and it's a great privilege. We're going to read some verses from the book of Acts today, and uh, if you want to stand and read with me, feel free. We're going to read uh, first in Acts chapter 3, verses 20 through 23, and then we're going to read in Acts chapter 7, verse 37 and 52. And these are both prophecies, uh, the same prophecy about Christ. And uh, we actually sang it in one of our songs here uh, just a moment ago. He was the long-expected prophet. And so that's what we're going to consider this morning. So let's read these verses and then we'll pray. Acts chapter 3 starting in verse 20. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. So this is in Peter's sermon. Flip over to Acts chapter 7. And we'll see Stephen's final sermon, verse 37. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. And Stephen here, he's just kind of saying this in passing, but we know he's talking about Christ. Look at verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. So Stephen also is implying Jesus, the one you murdered, is the very one the prophet raised up like Moses. So let's pray now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we have no other name in which to come. We come through your Son. And we know, Lord, that we are unworthy, but Christ is worthy. And we want to, like we sang, put all of our hope in him. And, Lord, we pray today you would use your word to speak to us. Uh, You would humble us, Lord, where we need to be humbled And you would encourage and build us up uh, in your son, in the gospel, in your truth, that it would be like a shield uh, of faith to us um, to push away the lies. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd be working and moving in each heart uh, for all of the, the souls gathered here today, those that are your people those that are maybe still outside of Christ, that they would see something of His glory and beauty today, Lord. We want to boast in Christ. We want to love Christ. And Father, uh, we just come to You in our weakness. We come to to Your greatness, and we pray, Lord, build Your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So two verses here, and um, we're going to consider this prophecy, Jesus, the prophet like Moses. So in Acts chapter 3, our first scripture, Peter's preaching to the people, and he quotes this verse from the Old Testament in the middle of his sermon. And he says, all of this that's happened to Christ was to fulfill scripture, all of which the prophets had spoke long ago. And then he he quotes a very specific prophecy, which can kind of, it's kind of easy to miss and kind of read over. Um, The Lord God, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. So Peter's telling These Jews who knew the Old Testament, remember Moses said God would raise up a prophet like him, like Moses? And you would need to listen to everything he said. And then Stephen mentions this same prophecy in Acts chapter 7. Well, why are are these two godly men quoting what seems to be a very obscure verse? They were doing it for one reason, for, for the Jews' sake. Um, the Jews knew this verse very well. They knew this prophecy, and he, Peter is going to remind them. Stephen is going to remind them of this verse in order to establish Jesus and his legitimacy in the flow of salvation, right? So starting all the way with Adam and then going through Noah and Abraham and on through the covenants until Jesus Christ. And this time in the book of Acts, which was sort of a turning point in history, the beginning of the church and the gospel going out among the nations. So so Peter and Stephen are both pointing back to the Old Testament and saying, look, this is not some new heresy. This fits with what was prophesied in the past. Um, and Peter flat out says, it's Jesus. He is the fulfillment of this verse. Stephen just kind of says it in passing, but he implies it as well when he says, this is the righteous one that you've murdered. So to really understand what this meant for them and what it means for us, because I really believe this verse is wonderful and beautiful when we meditate on it, uh, we need to think about the context that it happens in. Um, So first of all, the book of Acts. When you read the book of Acts, you feel this constant tension um, with the Jews as they're encountering the message of Christ. Some of them maybe heard Christ in their lifetime. Others are now coming in contact with the gospel. But there is a tension. So for example, in Acts chapter 6, The Jews are railing against Christians and they say about Stephen, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They loved Moses. They loved the law of God. And so they're calling Stephen a blasphemer. They said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place, Jerusalem, and the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place. And we'll change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So there's this tension with the Jews. They don't want what the Christians are offering. And they feel like it's changing everything. And they feel like it's blasphemy. And it needs to be stamped out. And really the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, you see this, this great concern with this transition as Christianity is now blossoming on the scene and believers are having to work through doctrinal implications, and Gentiles are being saved, and the Jews are struggling with all of this. And so it's fitting that the believers would quote a verse like this. Look, Moses said that one day the Lord would raise up a prophet just like him from among, the, from among his brethren, the Israelites, and you would have to listen to everything that prophet said. So let's go back and read this where Moses said it. This is in Deuteronomy 18, and we're going to read verse 15 to 19. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 through 19. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they've spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you... From among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So here Moses is telling the people God is going to raise up another prophet like me from your midst. And it's interesting, I mean, when you first read this, if you're just reading through Deuteronomy, you might think, well, okay, that's Joshua, right? Moses is going to pass off the scene, and so Joshua is going to come in. There has to be another leader for the people, someone who meets with God, someone to speak for God, a prophet. Well, if you read to the end of Deuteronomy, we see something very different. Deuteronomy 34 this is Moses' final words, the final words of Deuteronomy as Moses is passing away and passing off the scene. Is it Joshua? Is Joshua this prophet like Moses? Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Amen. So, here at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, you know, Moses is passing the baton, Joshua is coming on the scene, and the Lord explicitly puts in the scriptures, and there hasn't arisen a prophet like Moses same terminology a prophet being raised up or risen not like Moses why because the lord knew Moses the Moses knew the lord face to face and Moses had mighty miracles and Moses delivered the people from Egypt and Moses had this great message the giving of the law the first 5 books of the Old Testament. There is no prophet like that. Um, There have been a lot of prophets in in history in the Old Testament, Um, but this is unique. And so I believe each of these aspects of what made Moses so different are right here in the text. Uh, You see in verse 10, no one like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face, his relationship to God was different than the other prophets. It says, verse 11, no one like all the signs and wonders. I mean, think about all of the miracles that Moses did. Earth-shaking miracles in Egypt that just were tearing the country apart. What other prophet did that? Or his deliverance. Um, You see that here in verse 11. Specifically, it says, the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. Moses was instrumental. God said, I'm going to send you down there and you're going to bring the Israelites out. And he brings out, like was mentioned earlier this morning, like a million Israelites out of Egypt. Um, A great deliverance from slavery to freedom into the promised land. And then also for his message. And I get that from Deuteronomy 18 that we read a moment ago. Verse 15 says... The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Implying that this next prophet, when he comes on the scene, he's going to have a very important message that you have to listen to. It's not just going to be explaining more of the Torah that they've already been given. He's going to have a message to listen to. And if you miss that message or you reject that message or deny that message, you will be cut off from the people. The other prophets were holy men, and they were anointed with the Spirit, and they spoke for God, and they they spoke truly, and they were inspired. Um, Figures like Samuel, even David, Nathan, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Daniel, Jonah, famous prophets in the Old Testament. They spoke for God. They were real prophets, but they weren't the prophet like Moses. Even Elijah or Elisha. um, You know, I think of Elijah as perhaps the second most prominent prophet in the Old Testament. Not because he gave us big portions of scripture like Moses did, but just the miracles that he did and turning the people's hearts back to God a rebellious nation. But even Elijah was not the prophet like Moses. We get to the New Testament and Peter says, it's Christ. And so this morning, I want us to compare compare Moses and Christ to see how this is fulfilled and to see what it means for us. To see how Christ measures up as he comes on the scene. So let's spend some time comparing here. First, this aspect of the special relationship that Moses had with God. How did Moses relate to the Lord? What did the text say we read a moment ago? Face to face. All right, so you probably remember. Moses would go into the tent of meeting, no one else with him, and he would speak with God mouth to mouth, face to face. And when he would come out, his face would be shining. It was so intimidating, he had to cover it up. He would put a veil over his face. He had a special relationship. What about Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus Christ, was his relationship face to face? Jesus, being the Son of God, has been face to face with God the Father from all eternity Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. Moses was a prophet spoke with God face to face. Jesus was God's Son. In these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world the Father and Son, creating the world together, Christ like a master workman before him. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Moses was experiencing a little of it. Jesus is the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of God's nature, one with the Father. Could you be any more face-to-face than being the very nature of God, than being the very radiance of the glory of God? Uh, John one eighteen says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. What does that phrase mean, that Jesus He's the only begotten, and he's in the bosom of the Father. In the bosom, the bosom is an embrace. That Jesus Christ, from all eternity, has been in the bosom of the Father. They've been face-to-face always, because this is God's Son. And I love this verse because it says no one has seen God at any time, not even Moses. Even Moses, who was probably the closest in the Bible, you could say, to seeing God face-to-face, If you remember, there's an important story where Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord says, okay, but not my face. It's like, well, wait, I thought he saw God's face. Well, no, if you actually really truly saw my face, like my son sees my face, you would be just wiped out. And so he hides him in the cleft of the rock. Moses had this special relationship as a prophet with God that the other prophets didn't have But what Jesus had was far deeper, far sweeter. His knowledge of God, his relationship with God from all eternity, 100% God's equal and his likeness. Was Jesus a prophet like Moses? Yes, and much greater than Moses. Let's consider his miracles This is what Deuteronomy says, there is none like him for all his miracles. What about Jesus' miracles? How do they compare to Moses' miracles? I mean, the sheer number of miracles recorded in the Gospels is staggering. So many. It says even even miracles that we don't even have recorded for us. So many miracles happened That if you were to try to write them down, the world would not contain the books. It's like everywhere he went, when he started his ministry, everywhere he went, people were coming in contact with the living God and the power of God. What kind of miracles were they? Miracles of judgment and fire, fire from heaven. The disciples said that one time to Jesus and he said, no, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. He went around healing the sick, the blind, the lame, the deaf, the mute, hundreds, maybe thousands. He cast out thousands of demons. They feared him. He controlled the winds. He commanded the waves. He walked on water. He withered the fig tree. He filled baskets with bread. He filled nets with fish. He turned water to wine. He brought a coin out of the sea. He knew Nathaniel before he had ever met him. He knew the woman's five husbands. He knew the donkey he would ride. He knew the man with the water jar. He escaped angry crowds disappearing from their sight. He appeared immediately at the other side of the lake. He raised Jairus' daughter. He raised the widow's son. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus' miracles. He spoke and soldiers fell to the ground. He healed a servant cut with a sword. In his death, the sky was darkened. The curtain was torn in two. The earth shook and many were raised from their tombs. And after three days of himself being in the grave, he did his greatest sign that no one has ever done nor will ever do. He raised himself from the dead. He conquered death. Was Jesus a prophet like Moses? Yes, and Jesus is much greater than Moses. Think about his deliverance. Moses delivered the Israelites from Egyptian bondage to Pharaoh. Um, God, speaking to Moses, said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who were in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. Pharaoh had the Hebrews as his slaves, and it was a cruel bondage. But when Jesus came, What was his deliverance from? Was he coming to deliver the people from the Roman oppression? Was he coming to conquer an earthly ruler or to bring people to a new country, a new land? No. Jesus came to conquer Satan, the evil ruler of this world, the prince of darkness, to conquer sin. How much more powerful is Satan than Pharaoh? How much more cruel is the bondage to sin than Egypt? To be tempted and dominated by sin and wickedness throughout your life and then to suffer the consequences of that sin in your life and then to be cast in hell and punished for that sin is a horrible bondage. And the Bible says men are slaves of sin. The Jews thought, we're not enslaved to anybody. Jesus knew. He's coming to deliver people. He has to deliver them from their sins. He has to save them from their sins. And he said, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. This is something that we Christians have come to experience personally. Freedom from sin. A new heart that's free from sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses could give a law to the Israelites, and he could pull them out of Egypt, but he couldn't take sin out of their hearts, could he? They were still slaves to sin, and many of them still ran after their sin, That's something he couldn't do. I can give you a law, but I can't help you to obey the law. I can give you a law, but I can't set you free from sin. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, when you read it and you really start to see some of the sin that's there, it is a sad history of hard hearts and Israelites rebelling against God and turning away from the Lord. Moses' deliverance was on the outside. Jesus Christ delivers us from sin in our hearts at the deepest level. Only Jesus is a friend for sinners. Only Jesus can take tax collectors and prostitutes and drunkards and liars, take someone who's bitter, take homosexuals, take thieves, take selfish people and turn them into lovers of God. Only Christ. Was Jesus a prophet like Moses? Yes. And Jesus is much greater than Moses. And let's consider his message. Um, I was pointing out in Deuteronomy 18.15, it says, you shall listen to him. And this is especially true of Christ, Jesus Christ comes with a big message. In fact, he comes with a new covenant, a new law, a clear gospel, a new commandment. He has something new that all men must listen to and embrace or perish. It's built on the old. It's built on this foundation of the prophets, and the, but he comes Fulfilling it all, explaining the gospel. You see, it, you see his authority in what he said when he elevated the commands of Moses. You heard that it was said, do not murder. That was Moses. But I say to you, what authority that now the prophet shows up and he can say that. Moses said this, but I say this. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you. You've heard whoever divorces to give a certificate, but I say to you, he's elevating these commands. Or in John chapter 4, he changes the location of worship. Jesus said, an hour is coming and now is when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. We worship in spirit and truth. He annulled the food laws He said, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. And so do you see why the Jews would be shaken up and why they would claim that Jesus and Christians are undoing Moses' customs and his traditions? It's like they're saying, wait, you can't change that. You can't say that. And then Jesus comes on the scene and actually he can. He has the authority. He is the one we've been waiting for. And this is his message. And Moses said, you better listen to him. Listen to me for now, but when he comes, listen to him. It's truly amazing. Jesus, I mean, Jesus is the master teacher. And at the same time, he can elevate the commands of God in the standard of righteousness, true love, far higher, a far greater calling to lay down our lives and to love even our enemies. He can can use love and elevate the standard of righteousness and at the same time simplify the code and the pattern of righteousness in love. And it's Jesus that clearly shows us the way of salvation by grace through faith. Scripture says that whoever relies on the works of the law is under a curse. You can actually read the Old Testament and rely on it in a wrong way. You can read God's laws and look at them in a way that God doesn't intend, a way that caters to your pride, and actually be under a curse. Moses said, do this and you will live, which if you follow that strictly will be your doom. Do this and you will live. And no one has done this. But the Lord wanted us. He wasn't trying to trick us. But the Lord, in giving us the law, wanted us to be prepared. Wanted us to feel our need. Feel our sinfulness. Feel our failure. So that we would need grace. But Christ shows us a more excellent way. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that whoever believes, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever believes has eternal life. That's what he said. Such gracious words of eternal life being freely given to those who believe, to those who trust, who turn to him. Now that is a message. That is good news. Salvation, that it's a gift of God, that peace with God is given freely, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so this message that Jesus brings, it's the new covenant, it's the gospel. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one: behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. When would that happen? When the prophet showed up. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus gives us this new covenant. Remember, in the upper room on the last night, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's grace. That's the new covenant. And it comes with this new command. That same night he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another, as I have loved you. What a command, This message from our Lord that all men must listen to. And it is new, and it is a real change. And these things were shocking to the disciples and to the Jews in the book of Acts. The more you study your Bible and the covenants, you'll see the excellencies of the new covenant compared with the old. Now, we love the old covenant, and we love our Old Testament, right? (laughs) And we read it every day. And it will not pass away as long as heaven and earth remain. And it is inspired, and it is the word of God. But it is not the last word spoken. It was a lamp in the dark, but Christ And his new covenant is the sunlight, the sun rising in its brightness. It was a shadow, and all that Moses said and did was a shadow. But the substance, the person, belongs to Christ. Was Jesus a prophet like Moses? Yes, and Jesus is much greater than Moses. And I wish... um, I wish we had time to go even farther. Um, Luke chapter 9, the transfiguration account. Have you ever thought of this? That Moses and Elijah were there. That is bizarre, isn't it? Like, what? Wait, wait, wait. It's like you're reading about Jesus healing people and lots of miracles. But then this one time on the mountain with only three, the the privileged three, they're up there with him. And it says that Moses and Elijah appeared when Christ was transfigured in all of his glory. What were Moses and Elijah doing there? I believe it's getting at this very same thing. It says they were speaking with Jesus about the exodus that he was about to accomplish, his departure, his exodus. They showed up. And they were speaking with Christ. And the disciples try to lump all three together. Lord, this is amazing. We'll build a tabernacle, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And of course, what happens? The cloud overshadows them. The Father speaks from heaven. They're terrified. And he says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Same words. God would one day raise up a prophet like Moses, and it is to him you must listen. And there on the Mount of Transfiguration, God was saying, Listen to him. And when they opened their eyes and the cloud departed, they saw only Jesus. It's like Moses and Elijah are (laughs) transported from heaven back on earth again for a brief moment symbolizing the law and the prophets. And now the prophet has come, God's own son. And God says, listen to him. He is the fulfillment. He is the one that we must listen to. So we, are, we love the Old Testament, but there is a glory revealed in Jesus Christ. We are under the new covenant. We are under Christ Christ. So what are some applications we can get from this? This is what I'm saying. The the verse, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me from among your brethren. Just like Peter and Stephen said, it refers to Christ. He's the fulfillment. How does this help us? We can see how it helps the Jews, right? If they could get a hold of this, they would see, first of all, There is a consistency and a harmony to the flow of the Bible. It has been building up to this all along. This is not scrapping what went before. This is not some new heresy. It is God's message. He is God's Son. He is our prophet. He is our lawgiver, our Savior. But even for us, um, I think it helps us, as just a general application, it helps us appreciate the Bible's flow and the Bible's consistency. All this was long, long since foretold. Even in Moses' day, the Holy Spirit made it clear to him, he knew before he passed off the scene, one day the Lord will raise up a prophet just like me and that it would be a big deal. And it was a big deal. The Jews were eagerly thinking about is this the prophet? You sometimes catch them saying that in the Gospels, like to John the Baptist. Are you the prophet? What does that mean? It's something particular. It's, something, it's a single person they're waiting for. They didn't really understand it, but it's been there all along. This promise of a new prophet, of a new message, of a new um, deliverer. Also, I think it helps us appreciate not only the Bible, um, and we love the Bible. The more you study the Bible, the more more beautiful it becomes. But I think it helps us appreciate the greatness of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord. Just to to spend some time thinking about how there is no one who even comes close to Christ. Um, His miracles, his relationship with the Father, his deliverance, and his wonderful words. Jesus said, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And don't you find that to be true, that sometimes when you are totally downcast and distraught, you read something or you hear something of the words of Christ from somewhere, and it just lifts you up and invigorates you and gives you life. His words are still He never actually wrote the scripture. Other people wrote, the disciples wrote their eyewitness account. But through his life and through his words, it's still stirring our world after two millennia. And people are being saved all over the world as they come in contact with his words, uh, with his ministry, with his message. It's beautiful. And if it weren't for Christ, and if all we had was the Old Covenant. We would likely, many of us, be stumbling around in the dark, stumbling around in the works of the law, confused, maybe feeling guilty, maybe having little to no assurance, or perhaps not even saved at all. We would feel the weight of God's holiness and man's sinfulness, but perhaps we would be stuck there. But Christ has come to set us free. Some specific application. Um, First, I would say, for anyone reading the Old Testament and it seems dry. If you ever start reading the Old Testament and it's hard going and it seems dry, or maybe you're not reading the Old Testament at all. Maybe it's so intimidating that you're just skipping out on that and reading the New Testament. I would say today, this is a call to to see how all of Scripture connects together. The Old Testament should never be boring to any Christian. I remember when I became a new Christian, I used to hear that. As a new Christian, I would hear others kind of talk almost in a lighthearted tone about the Old Testament or minor prophets or, you know, book of Leviticus or whatever, just being really kind of a slog and kind of dry. That is not the Old Testament. If you really see it for what it is, it's all pointing to Christ. The Old Testament is constantly giving pictures, giving hints, foreshadowing, pushing us forward, helping us see spiritual truth um, beyond just the physical realities recorded there. So yes, Moses physically is delivering people from Egypt, but it's picturing our salvation from sin and the true deliverer who would one day come. We need to read the Old Testament that way. We need to read it looking for Christ on every page, in every chapter, hungering for, Lord, how is, what can I learn about my life, my relationship with you? How does, this, how does this relate to the church and Christ? How does this relate to the gospel or salvation, the Old Testament is full of Christ. And so we can pray, if it's hard going, Lord, I know this is your word. I know this speaks of your son. Give me eyes to see it. Help me not miss it. And the Lord will be faithful to answer that prayer, to help you glean more of the richness of his word. Also, I think, a very specific application is for anyone struggling with a particular doctrine or topic in Scripture. So, this, according to these verses, Jesus is the prophet that you must listen to. So, Christianity is a a religion of faith. That is, God reveals truth and we believe it. We're not out to make our own truth. We're out to hear his truth and respond in faith. And so, just like Peter was saying to that day uh, to, to the Jews that you must listen to his words, so today it's true for us. We must listen to Christ. We must listen to the Bible at all costs. The Bible commands us to simply believe and follow what it says, not to twist and get what we want out of Scripture, but to let Scripture speak. Jesus is our prophet. Listen to him. Maybe the account of creation disturbs you and cuts across your flesh. Maybe genealogies or numbers, maybe wars in the Old Testament that were fought, maybe predestination bothers you. Maybe parallel gospel accounts and trying to fit them together confuses you. Maybe eternal punishment. Maybe the exclusivity of Christianity or the wife's role of submission or certain commands or certain warning passages or the cost of discipleship. What are you tempted to throw out of the Bible or to ignore or to step around? We need to hear it all. We need it all. It's God's word. It's not our word. It's his truth. We need to believe it. Um, I like what Matthew Henry says on these verses in Acts 3 about listening to the prophet. He says, "...him you shall hear, and to him you shall subscribe with an implicit faith and obedience. Hear him in all things. Let his laws govern all your actions, and his counsels determine all your submissions." Whenever he has a mouth to speak, you must have an ear to hear. Whatever he saith to you, though ever so displeasing to flesh and blood, bid it welcome. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. And so this is totally counter our culture. Our culture would want to follow what's right in their own eyes. When you become a Christian, you give all that up. And you say, it's no longer what I think. It's no longer what I say that matters. You, you surrender to the Lord and to his authority. And you just embrace his word. That's the life of a Christian. Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. And I don't know what the next generation or two will hold or will look like for us. But I do know that the words of the Lord are sufficient His words are spirit and life. This is the message from God's own son who has known him face to face from all eternity. We can trust what he says. We can follow what he says. If we hold fast to his word, it will uphold us. And lastly, um, by way of application, specifically for anyone still enslaved to sin, What does this mean? Jesus, the prophet like Moses. What does this mean for us? Well, if you're a slave to sin, and you're in bondage to sin, and you can't stop sinning, and you feel your bondage, are you bound by the devil and can't seem to get free? Most people don't realize they're in bondage to the devil. They don't realize that he's stirring up sin in their life But sometimes, you do become awakened to that. Even as a lost person, you start to feel your guilt. And you start to feel that no matter how hard you try, you will never be like the Christians you see around you. That your heart is evil. And that's true. But there is hope in Christ. Today's message is a reminder that just as Moses delivered the people, so Christ delivers us from sin when we trust in him and he said if the son sets you free you will be free indeed how does it happen it's a miracle (laughs) that when someone comes to christ like a little child and puts their faith in him when they turn from sin and they renounce their sin they're transformed in their inner man on your own you can't escape sin any more than a hebrew could have escaped egypt but he is the deliverer, and you can join us. You can join Christians, the fellowship of the redeemed. He will forgive you. He will set you free. He will make you a new creation. The old things will pass away. All things become new for those who call upon him and who trust in him. And like I said earlier, we've experienced that personally. And so today is an invitation to anyone who hasn't to come to Christ and be set free from sin. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your son and Lord we do pray you would help us um, to love him and follow him he who loved us father I pray for any that are lost that they would uh, not hesitate to call upon you for salvation and mercy Lord and not perish when there is redeemer when there when there is hope um, Lord, please, I pray that you would draw them, that they wouldn't be able to get away from you, that they would um, see Christ and embrace him. And Lord, help us all, we pray. We want to know your son more. We want to love your word more. We want to uh, obey it and follow it. And we pray, Lord, that you would have free reign in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.